welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 dot myportfolio.com on there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show i'm going to talk about who should be replacing merrill kelly yes the the ageless wonder for the d-backs this season who should be replacing him in the rotation and then i will also talk about the some first half numbers for the d-backs we're at the midway point of the season so Arizona Sports wrote this nice article where they talk about the numbers, you know, the first half numbers. So I'm going to get into these numbers here. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's get into it, and let's first talk about who should be starting for Merrill Kelly. Now, it was pretty weird yesterday to hear Merrill Kelly was going on the injured list because it took everyone by surprise, not just me, but even Taylor Clark. Merrill Kelly was scratched like a couple hours, I think, right before he was scheduled to start. I think Taylor Clark found out he was starting like 20 to 30 minutes before game time. So that's pretty tough to do. Taylor Clark didn't have too much time to prepare or get himself in the mind. But he went out there and he had a pretty solid uh, showing yesterday against the Colorado Rockies. It wasn't anything, you know, to write home about, but he still didn't give up that many runs allowed. And if you just look at his uh, pitching numbers from yesterday, he went four innings. He only gave up one earned run. Uh, and he had four strikeouts, two walks, so he wasn't bad at all. 70 pitches, so I liked what he did yesterday. He gave me some confidence, and now we have to decide who should be stepping up for Merrill Kelly now that he's on the injured list, and I think I'm all on board with Taylor Clark being that guy. Last year, I wasn't too high on Taylor Clark. He was pretty bad in 2019. His ERA was at a... What was his year right? 531. So it was pretty high. He gave up 23 home runs last year and just 84 innings pitch, 50 earned runs and 84 innings pitch. So it wasn't too good last year, but this year in 2020, Taylor Clark has looked much improved. He has a 233 ERA on the season. His home runs per nine has been cut in almost half. His walks per nine has gone up, but his strikeouts per nine has also gone up. And his hits per nine is way down, mostly because he's not a starter like he was last year. But in general, Taylor Clark has looked pretty good this season. And, I was, and I've liked how he's looked coming out the bullpen. He's been more of a long relief guy for the D-backs this season. He's usually a guy who comes out and pitches at least two innings when, you know, one of our, <laughs> our starters, usually Robbie Ray or Luke Weaver or Madison Bumgarner when they usually struggle. Taylor Clark has been pretty good at coming in and limiting the damage. He's been a long relief pitcher for the D-backs this season. He has closing experience from last year, and I and I like him. He's a guy who's still pretty young. He's only 26, 27 years old, so he's still got a lot of time under his belt. He's still got a lot of 
uh, room for improvement. I mean, last year was technically his rookie season, so that could be that, that could play a huge part into why he struggled so much last year. But he's definitely cleaned up some areas this season. He only has three home runs given up in 19 innings pitched, so that's not too bad. Uh, that's a like one home run allowed every start, I guess. So you you don't want to see that, but. When it's only three home runs and 19 innings pitch, and only five earned runs total, you'll take those numbers. So he's definitely going to need to step up for a little bit, at least for the time being. Merrill Kelly is now on the 10-day injured list. He's been a guy who's just been so dominant this season. When you look at Merrill Kelly's numbers, it's going to be hard for Taylor Clark to, to replicate those. And I'm not necessarily expecting him to pitch like Merrill Kelly when he was out there on the mound. Merrill Kelly was pretty much shut down this season. 31.1 innings pitched. He had a 2.59 ERA. Only gave up nine earned runs on the season. And he only gave up, listen to this, five walks total in five starts. So Merrill Kelly has just been great at limiting guys, uh, at limiting Limiting guys on the base pass, not allowing too many hits. His 7.5 hits per nine is kind of high, but when you're not allowing earned runs to cross the plate, it doesn't really matter. And he has an 8.3 strikeouts per nine. So Merrill Kelly's been great at not walking a lot of dudes. He was good at that last year. He got even better this season. And he has a slight uptick in his strikeout numbers with a slight downtick in allowing uh, uh, with allowing hits, he's still allowing home runs at the same rate, but hits are down, walks are down, and strikeouts are up. So those those are numbers you love to see. And for Taylor Clark, it's gonna be hard for him to replicate that. I mean, he you see his walks per nine, his Taylor Clark's walks per nine are about five right now. So it's like five times the number what Merrill Kelly's walks per nine is. But you can't expect Taylor Clark to do what Merrill Kelly has done. Merrill Kelly has been a saint this season, a godsend for this D-backs team. I keep telling you guys, I wrote him off to start the year. I mean, a 31-year-old sophomore pitcher coming from overseas does not sound like a recipe for long-term success. But Merrill Kelly has proven me wrong, and now he's on the injured list. And that was half of the dynamic duo that the D-backs had, you know, it was Zach Gallon, it was Merrill Kelly, it was those two spearheading this rotation. Now, there's even more question marks surrounding the D-backs. They already had Madison Bumgarner on their injured list. He should be back soon. But now, uh, with Merrill Kelly on the injured list, who should step up? I like Taylor Clark. I like what he's been doing. But depending on Madison Bumgarner when he gets back, maybe it should be Alex Young. And I think Alex Young would be my number one option. But while they're both out with Mass and Baumgartner and, and Merrill Kelly both out at the same time, I'm going to put Taylor Clark as our replacement for Merrill Kelly. But once Mass and Baumgartner gets back in, I love what Taylor Clark has been able to do out of the bullpen. So I'll move him back in there. Give me my re- long relief guy back just, just because, you know, Robbie Ray is going to have at least three more starts where he gives up uh, 20 earned runs and 50, home run- <laughs> 50 homers. So you definitely need Taylor Clark back in the bullpen and then once Madison Bumgarner comes back make Alex Young that everyday starter you know just for the time being until Merrill Kelly gets back and then who knows with the trade deadline approaching maybe you do move Robbie Ray because depending on how you feel about Taylor Clark and Alex Young you might not need Robbie Ray anymore you could go move him get another piece that you might think you need in the back end of the bullpen and then promote Alex Young or Taylor Clark two young studs to that starting rotation and that's thing I would definitely like to see right now teams are inquiring about Robbie Ray as a potential reliever and the D-backs said they are buyers at the deadline so to be buyers that means you have to give up something so maybe D-backs being buyers means they move Robbie Ray but we'll see in the next 
few weeks or pretty e- even sooner than that. D-backs will first have to get off this losing streak. They have lost the last six games, and no team with a below 500 record in a shortened season like this is going to call themselves buyers at the trade deadline. So we'll see the D-backs get themselves out of this hole before the trade deadline, but the D-backs are definitely in murky waters right now. Maybe the D-backs need a Built Bar because Built Bars are back and even more improved than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, and they're back with six new flavors. And remember, Built Bars always have flavors with nuts and without nuts, just in case you have any peanut allergies. And the six new flavors are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Now, the reason why I love Built Bar because... I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can. And Built Bars, they taste like candy bars. They trick you. They make you think you're eating a candy bar, but it's actually a protein bar. They're great for helping you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. And don't forget to go to BuiltBar.com because right now you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com use promo code Locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And look, let's take a look at these numbers from the D-backs' first half of the season. And these, this article is courtesy of Matt Lehman of Arizona Sports, doing the hard work that gets you the content for this podcast, Locked on Diamondbacks, your team every day. So thank you. Shout out to Matt Lehman. So the D-back season, it's halfway over. They've already played 30 games. Last season, the D-backs didn't play their 30th game until April 30th. So just think about that. That just tells you how crazy this season has been. How how many games are gonna still? How many games are still gonna have to play in this you know short amount of time? Because last season, between May 1st and September 29th, the D-backs played 132 games. So we're in a sprint to say the least. The D-backs only have 30 games left in the next what? 30 days it seems like so we'll see what the rest of the season entails but there are some not so good numbers and some really great numbers from this D-backs first half of the season so I'll start with this the D-backs started the year three and eight which is pretty bad pretty atrocious for them considering how their offense looked but then they broke out for a little bit they went on a 10-3 run where they finally looked like a competent baseball team they even looked like a playoff team they had the second a wild card for a little bit, but now they're back on a six-game losing streak, and their record has fallen to 13 and 17, and they're back in the basement, the NL West. I, I was listening to Burns and Gamble today, and I think they were saying this is the first time at any point during the Tory Lavello era that the D-backs have sat uh, at least one day in last place in the NL West. That's pretty mar- remarkable when you think about it, because you could lose the first game of the season with, you know, and B, you know, lose the second game of the season and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden be last place in the NL West just because he started 0-2. So that's pretty good stat, uh, you know, to have in Tori Lavelle's back pocket. That just goes along with making, uh, with my theory on an earlier pod about could this be Tori Lavello and Mike Hazen's last season? I mean, when you tell me this is the first time you're sitting in last place after two years of flirting with the playoffs, 
that's not a recipe for long-term success and long-term stability in the franchise. So the D-backs better come out this 13-17 hole and better start getting back on this playoff track for the sake of Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen's job. Now, the pitching woes have long been stated for this D-backs team. I always mention how only two-fifths of this D-back team is even competent. The team ERA right now is 5.16, which is the sixth worst in all of the major leagues. Their starting pitching ERA is 5.28, which is 24th in baseball. And their relievers are sitting at a 5.01 ERA, which is 20th in baseball. Now, some of these D-backs pitchers are really good. If you look at Stefan Cryan, he's been a flamethrower out the bullpen with a 1-2-3 ERA. I mentioned the two-headed monster in the rotation. Zach Gallon with 2-2-5 ERA. Mayor Kelly with 2-5. 259 ERA and Taylor Clark with 233 ERA has been that those four have been super impressive and have really spearheaded this overall D backs team. And I like what Archie Bradley has done too this season, even though his ERA is not in the sub threes. I think he's pitched like a guy with an ERA in the sub threes. But then you look at some of these other ERAs on this team Luke Weaver, 777. And it's actually crazy thing gone down the last two starts because it was hovering in the, the 12s and the 13s before that. Andrew Chafin, I don't know what's happened to him this year. He's at an 8.1. Robbie Ray has just taken uh, this declining trend to a whole new level. We already know he's been in the, on a decline since 2017, but he's hit just new peaks, new rock bottom this season. I don't know what's happened to him. Kevin Ginkle's at a 9-era flat. He's been a guy that I've been talking up all offseason about potential closer of Archie Bradley's struggles, maybe the closer for next season. But right now, I don't even know if he could be a six-inning reliever the way he's pitched this season. His slider has not been working, and I, I don't know what has been uh, going on in Kevin Ginkle's head. I really hope he gets back on the right track because this guy is still young, and he, his stuff is too good not to be a potential closer for this D-backs team. Bumgarner has been an atrocious signing this offseason so far. 935 ERA. His his velocity is down like three and a half miles per hour from 91 to like 87 and a half, which is super concerning. You got Hector Rondon, who's done a little bit of everything. He's been a he broke out, uh, he broke into the league as a closer. He's even started some games. So it really makes me wonder why his ERA is at 1157. I don't know why it's so ridiculously high. He's been good the last few seasons. He's been a, a really good relief pitcher. He's been a, a high leverage pitcher used a lot of the time. So I don't know why he struggles so much. But this D-backs pitching staff has just been so up and down. And the D-backs uh, as a team, as a whole team, has issued 122 walks. That's second in baseball behind the Astros, who have thrown 123 walks. So the D-backs are right there for the league lead. And you can look at Robbie Ray as the main culprit for all those walks. Now, the D-backs, surprisingly, are averaging the third most stolen bases per game in baseball, which is not something I would have expected because this is not a team with a lot of burners. you got the Marte part who's got some wheels. Sterling Marte way more than Ketel Marte. But outside of that, I guess Tim LaCastro, Cole Calhoun, look, he can run better for a guy at his stocky size, but the, the D-backs don't have a lot of burners on this team. So hearing that they're third in terms of stolen bases per a game on average is kind of surprising to me. And then Zach Allen, uh, just a huge bright spot for this D-backs team this season. He's 13th in ERA in the in the entire Major League Baseball Association with 225, as I mentioned before. He ranks ninth in the National League in ERA. And 
Zach Allen is on one of the most impressive starts to start a career. He has the current streak of longest consecutive starts of three runs earned or fewer to start your major league career. So Zach Allen has definitely lived up to the, all the offseason hype that I've been giving him. And then the final stat I want to leave you guys with is Cole Calhoun and the addition he's added to the D-backs team this offseason. He leads this team by a, by a wide margin when it comes to home runs. He has eight on the season. No other D-back has uh, more than three, and he's tied for 16th in the entire major leagues in home runs with Cody Bellinger, Manny Machado, and JT Real Muto. He's tied for first on the team in OPS with Starling Marte at 842. So I love the addition of Cole Calhoun. He's more of that OBP uh, slugging kind of guy. It's really his OPS. He's not a guy that's going to hit for high average. He's going to strike out a decent amount, but you like his slugging percentage because he, he is a power guy. He's got the home run power, and he's got that gap power. He can, you know, string the ball down the line, get you those line drives down the line, and he has that gap power too. And just he has power to all uh, parts of the ballpark. So I like the Cole Calhoun signing. I like what he's done. I love his energy. I love what he's brought to the ballpark. He's been a spark plug. He's been a guy for how big he looks, for how stocky he is. He's let off a good amount of games because of how quickly he's able to get in on the action. He usually starts a lot of these rallies. I mean, just a guy with huge energy that I liked a lot. And I love what he's brought to this D-backs team this season. So those are some first-half numbers from this D-backs team. Definitely some numbers that need to improve on. And definitely some surprising numbers like those Zach Gallon numbers that are just crazy when you really think about it. But that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Don't forget to go to rockauto.com for all your auto and body parts. And don't forget to go to builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off your first purchase. Hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. Peace!